Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, yeah, I want to really encourage everyone, again, as Abby said, to come to the Chuck Perry Sozo Night. Um, me and my wife, Rachel, took, went down to Bethel for a week a couple months ago just to get away and rest together. And we, long story short, uh, Chuck is the, the, the director of the healing rooms at Bethel. And so every Saturday they do healing rooms, I think, from 10 to 1. Um, and so he, he's the director of it. And uh, ran into his wife at the bookstore, and they invited us over to their house for lunch. And so me and Rachel got to go have lunch with Chuck Perry at his house, and for like three hours just fellowshipping with him, and there was such a rich sense of the presence of God. He was telling us these incredible testimonies of miracles that had been happening in the healing rooms, and he said when COVID started, um, I'm just I'm sharing this to build you guys' faith for when he comes, because faith is an atmosphere of expectation that brings heaven like lightning. Amen? Um, he, was sh- he was sharing that they, they, they did Zoom they did Zoom healing rooms, so it was kind of opened up more broadly to the world. And he was just telling these crazy miracles that happened on Zoom. And uh, just this childlike faith that this guy has. He said that there was this one lady who I believe it ha- just had a hysterectomy. And uh, she wouldn't stop bleeding from the surgery. It was, she, it was very bad. She couldn't, uh, she couldn't sit up. She was stuck laying down. And so they're praying for her on Zoom. And they see her. She's laying on her couch with her back, she can't sit up, and she has her computer here, and, it, you know, she's on Zoom, and they're praying for her on Zoom, and they're just praying and praying, and they see uh, she just puts her hands up like this, and then sits up, <laughs> and then they're just like, they're like, hey, what's going on, and she's just kind of like, just like, ah, like, like, going crazy. She testifies later that she saw this light fill her room. Jesus walked in, took her by the hands, and said, stand up and walk. And she was completely healed. She was completely healed. So I'm just sitting there just like, wow, just soaking in these testimonies, being edified. He said there was another one where um, this guy, had, he, he had COVID, and it was really, really bad. He was having trouble breathing. He was super sick. And so he had his interns on Zoom, and so he, he just, this is like where he was being really childlike. He's like, I'm going to put you in the center of all my interns because you can move people's pictures around. And so he said, I want, I want each of you to start praying in whatever direction he is. So the guy on top is like praying down. The guy beneath him is like praying up. And he's, he, he said that um, he, he, all of a sudden the guy just broke out in laughter and just started laughing like hysterically. And um, he said he just felt the presence of God come through his body. His lungs instantly cleared and he was completely healed of COVID. To the, to the point that he, he instantly was like, he got up and he was like, I'm totally fine. He runs into his kitchen, grabs an orange, opens it and can completely smell the orange. It's like super ripe orange, tastes the orange. All his smell and taste came back in a moment. So Lord, let it happen on January 17th. Amen. Be here. You don't want to miss it. Amen. Real quick, before we jump in, why don't you guys uh, take a minute or two to say hi to someone, okay? Is that cool?
All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's have everyone take your seats. To kind of just continue off of those testimonies that um, Chuck was sharing with me, the guy who, who he got hit with joy, the joy of the Lord, you know, Proverbs says that a merry heart does good like medicine. That joy is actually, a, 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 can bring life and healing. So the joy of the Lord is our strength, amen. Uh, if you don't know, uh, Tom and Katie are in Burkina with the team. So that's why I'm up here today and not Tom. Um, they're over in, in Burkina for the next week and a half or so. So if you could all just keep them in prayer, um, and even right now, if we could just lift them up, if all of us could just say a, a quick prayer. Um, Father, we just thank you for Tom and for Katie and for everyone that went on the, on the trip with them. And Lord, we just bless them. God, we ask you to use them mightily, Lord, to bring salvation, to bring healing, to bring deliverance. Lord, that the, the church there would be equipped, would be unified, would be spurred on. And we thank you for the work that they're doing in Burkina. And we bless West Africa. Father, we bring Burkina Faso before your throne. And we say, Lord, pour out your spirit. Bless this nation. Make your face shine upon them and give them peace. We pray that you would deliver them from oppression, deliver them from, from evil, God. We ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Burkina Faso as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that Tom and Katie and the whole team would be covered in the spirit and in the blood of Jesus. We bless them, we cover them now, and we lift them up. God, strengthen them and equip them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. How's everyone doing today? I uh, flew back yesterday from Florida. Me and Rachel, my wife, if you don't know Rachel, she's from Florida, and so we went to visit her family for the New Year's, and, and we got to stay for uh, about, I think, 10 days. It was really nice. Got to see her family and uh, hang out with everyone and rest. Um, she lives in North Florida, so the last couple days was actually kind of cold. It was like 40 degrees, but we did have a few days where it was 70 and sunny. I left all of you in the snow and ice, <laughs> and we came back, and it was gone, so it worked out. <laughs> um, it was really cool, though. Uh, Rachel grew up in a Methodist church, which actually is what this um, church used to be. Uh, it was part of the United Methodist and you know, the Methodist organization was started by a man named John Wesley, and that man was a fiery powerhouse. Um, and me and Katie joked one time, we we're like, if John Wesley knew what was happening in the Methodist church today, he'd be rolling over in his grave, because <laughs> that man was uh, truly anointed. He changed the world. He rode horseback city to city preaching the gospel, and he led 7.6 million people to Christ on horseback. Like, Yeah. That was the founder of Methodism in the 1700s, and he was just the mighty man of God. So anyways, the, the church there, they were like, oh, Bradford and Rachel are going to be in town. They knew that I work at a church here, and so they had me speak, and John Wesley is one of my kind of heroes of the faith, and so it was just cool to get to preach in a Methodist church, and it was, it was cool. I just preached the simple gospel, the love of God, the love of the Father, the power of the blood, and yeah. They, they were kind of unresponsive, but it, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding, totally kidding. Um, they might be watching. I repent. <laughs> no, it was, it was just, it was really cool. It was really surreal for me because I'm like, John Wesley was a boss, and I want to see what that man walked in, come upon that church again. You know, do it again, Lord. I, uh, I was talking with one of Rachel's, um, like, spiritual mothers. Um, she's a mighty prayer warrior. She's like, no one knows who she is, but she was telling us, she's like, I have salted the whole land. I've, I've, I've oiled it. I've buried communion everywhere. I've consecrated it. And I'm like, this woman, like, knows a lot about intercession. <laughs> like, she's just a mighty, mighty prayer warrior who will probably be closer to the throne than any of us. But she was telling us she read a book about the history of the Methodist church, and um, how th this guy basically unveils the, the power of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders all throughout Methodism, and that today they've intentionally 
cut out the stories of the manifestations of the Spirit and of the move of the Spirit. They've intentionally cut it out and left it out of their history of the Methodist Church. And it's like, Jesus. (laughs) But God is still on the move. You can't stop him. Amen. So today, um, I want to talk a little bit about why we are alive, uh, why we were why we were created and where we experience the most fullness of life. And it is in fellowship with God. It's living in union with Jesus. It's living in fellowship with the Father. He is life. So to fellowship with life, you will experience the fullness of life. Paul prayed that, that we would be filled with the fullness of God, that we would know the love of Christ, which is to be filled with the fullness of God. And experiencing the Father's love is one of the greatest joys every one of us can have in life. It is the greatest joy. The Father's love, living in the delight of the Father, it is the greatest joy. It is the greatest delight. When, when, when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, it says the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit came down. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus got to receive the affirmation of the Father. He got to receive the love of the Father in that moment. It says in Romans 5 that the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's the same imagery and picture that Jesus had when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon him. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son. The love of the Father was poured out in that moment. I love, I learned this from Greg But in Acts chapter 10, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, uh, it says that the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard Peter's word. And the word fell is the same word in Greek in Luke 15 when it says the father ran and fell on his son's neck and kissed him. The father's arms are wide open and the love that he has for us, man, he wants us to experience it. And we can experience the father's love and abide in his love every day. It it is the purpose for which we were created. We were created to worship God. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, the chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. And worship is meant to be a delight. It's not meant to be this Giving of yourself to a distant God who is closed off to you. No, the heavens have been opened. The Father's heart is opened. He's not closed off to you. He loves you. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, um, Greg was talking about the the ministry of reconciliation. Let me read this to you real quick. This is beautiful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I forget where the verse is. Here it is, verse, verse uh, 19. He's talking about the, the ministry of reconciliation, of, that we have been reconciled to God. Um, he says, this is the ministry of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Let that sink in for a moment. You know, the the Bible says that you have to receive the forgiveness of your sin. Many people ask God to forgive them, but they don't believe he will. If you asked him to forgive you, then he already has forgotten it. Jesus said, the, 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 the Old Covenant, or excuse me, not the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, Jeremiah prophesied about this coming day when God would make a new covenant. And he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days when I take away their sins and I will remember them no more. So God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not charging their sins against them not holding their sins against them. That's why Jesus was able to walk up to a man who didn't even know who he was and say, be of good cheer or rejoice, your sins are forgiven you. 
the, the religious spirit hated it. They're like, that is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And he said that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Pick up your mat and walk. He just demonstrates it. Proves it. I love it. Jesus is amazing. This is the heart of the Father towards us. And the reason this is so important, because if you, if you were created to worship God, it is very difficult to fellowship with a God that you think is, is, is displeased with you. That you think holds things against you. It is hard to come before a father that you think is, is keeping a, a journal of the things that you do wrong. No, the scriptures declare he is not imputing your sins against you. Now, there is going to be a day of judgment, but right now you're in a day of grace. You're in a day of mercy, and the doors are still open. And for the world and for people that don't know God, there will be a day that will come when those doors will be shut, and they will no longer be able to enter. But right now, for those who believe, anyone and everyone who would believe upon Christ, they can come freely and enter even with boldness before the throne of grace. How could you come? Think, think about this. We've all, you've read Revelation 4 before, right? Where there's like thunder and lightning and these six-winged creatures with eyes all around them. And this just crazy like, whoa, <laughs> like what is happening? This would be so intense to be in this room. The throne of God. It says that you can come before the throne with boldness, not with fear, with boldness. Confidently, you can come to the throne of grace because you know that you will obtain grace and find mercy to help you in time of need. <sighs> Hallelujah. I'm going to say what A.W. Tozer said again. He said, the chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. You can enjoy God. I asked Eric Gilmore when he first came last August, I said, what was the hardest thing for you to overcome in your Christian life? And he said, honestly, he says, more than sin, more than anything else, the hardest thing for me to overcome was that all I had to do was enjoy the gospel. The hardest thing to do was to actually like, yield my heart to receiving the free gift of God, the grace of God, the love of the Father, to enjoy the gospel, not on the merit of anything that I've done or, or, or earned or come to deserve it. He loves you because he loves you. He delights in you because of who he is and what he's done, not what you've done. He so loved the world that he sent his son, not to condemn it, but to save it. Greg mentioned Psalms 100 verse 3, where it says, Forget not all of his benefits. Do not forget the benefits that God freely gives you. It says this, Who forgives all your iniquities. He forgives all of your iniquity. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you. The Lord crowns you. Revelation 1 says that we've been purchased and redeemed to God by his blood. That he has purged us of our sins and loved us even, it says. It says, to him who loved us and purged us of our sins. To him be glory, right? And then it goes on to say that he has made us to be a kingdom and priests. Or some translations say, he has made us to be kings and priests that we might reign with him on the earth. He crowns you. What crown do you wear in the kingdom as a son or daughter of God? It's the loving kindness of God. He crowns you with loving kindness and with tender mercies. You know what the word tender means? It means costly, expensive. The expensive mercy of God, the expensive mercies of God. How expensive was it? It was the blood of his son. 
the tender mercies of God and his loving kindness, he crowns you with them and he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He's slow to anger. He's not quick to be upset with you if you make a mistake. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is the reconciliation of God. See, picture this. It's like, like, let's say all of us are up here on this stage, and this room is filled with cardboard boxes. And, and Jesus comes in the back door, but he can't get to us because there's all these cardboard boxes. So when he, this is the covenant when I take away their sins. He takes all the cardboard boxes out. He has no problem taking it one by one and doing all the work he has to to remove every cardboard box so that he can come straight to us and there's nothing to separate us from him. He is not afraid of your mess. He's not threatened by your sin. He took it upon the cross and defeated it. Hallelujah. I don't know if this will make go a direction, and hopefully it will make sense, but I want to talk about um, receiving the Father's love, and hopefully, Lord, help me communicate this. Um, because uh, you were talking about it. You, you felt like there was, there's people in the room that were still holding on to things that were keeping them from fully entering into this fellowship with God. And I want to tell you that Jesus is not afraid of anything that you can bring to him. He is ready and able and willing to take it away and to be done with it. I'm telling you, there's nothing that you can do to change his love for you. Sometimes we get this, this view of, of relationship with God that I've, I've been saved by grace, but now I have to perform. And that God forgave my sins, but if I make a mistake now, then he might get really upset with me and I might lose my fellowship and I could just spiral out of control and, oh God, can you keep me? He said he is faithful to keep you. He is able to keep us and to preserve us from stumbling. And even if you make a mistake, he's there to pick you up. Let me put it this way. God doesn't love you just because you believe in his son. God loved you before you believed in his son. John chapter 17 Verse 23, actually verse 20, we'll start in verse 22. He says, he's praying to the Father. Before this, in verse 20, he prays for you. He says, Lord, I do not pray for these disciples of mine alone, but also for all who will believe in me through their word. That includes you. Jesus prayed for you. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory that you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. 
and have loved them as you have loved me. The Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 9. He says, As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love, or remain in my love. Hallelujah. I didn't at all go the direction I thought I was going to go. The reason it's so important to receive the love of the Father and to have fellowship with Him is, number one, that is the place from which you can love one another as Christ has loved us. It says in 1 John that we love because He first loved us. So Jesus said, this is my commandment, indeed a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the commandment. All the commandments of God are summed up in this. And John said in 1 John, he said, This is his commandment. Believe on his son and love one another. Believe the manifestation of the father's love towards you that was revealed by his son coming to save you. Believe in his son. Trust in him for salvation. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sin. Trust in him to fulfill all righteousness for you. Trust in Jesus to be your everything that you could ever need and love each other. This is the command of God. He makes it so simple and he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit by loving us while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, while we were without Christ, before we knew Christ, he loved us as much as Christ so that we could love one another, so that we could abide in Jesus, so that we could remain in union and in fellowship with him. This is the goal of humanity, to worship God and enjoy him forever. Praise the Lord. The Lord spoke this to me one time, and, well, he didn't speak it to me. I take that back. I wrote this in, in journaling when I was fellowshipping with God. He was speaking to me in that time, but I wrote this. To sit at his feet with sweetness, you must let him wash your feet with his meekness. If you want to delight in the Father and have fellowship with him, you have to let him wash you. You have to let him take what he paid for, your sin. The most humble thing you can do is give Jesus what he paid for. And the starting place is giving him your sin. The starting place of giving Jesus what he paid for and humbling yourself is releasing your sins to the one who took them away. So that you no longer have anything to separate you from fellowship. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine says that God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. When God calls us, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You've been called by God to what? Fellowship with his son. And what is the fellowship of his son? It's the fellowship with the father that Jesus had before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. You can have relationship with a God who will never judge you. Knowing the love of the Father and loving one another creates healthy hearts. To have a healthy heart 
We need to know the love of God and have love for one another. That will bring great health to the body at large as a whole. That is how we have healthy relationships in the church. So we know the love of God and love one another. If I love you, I won't have anything in my heart against you. The perfect love of God casts out fear. The fear of man brings a snare. But the perfect love of God will cast out all fear. So that I, I can actually love you and no longer be afraid of you. No longer be afraid of having relationship with you. I'm still growing in that. Amen. The Father's heart towards you is one of pursuit. Bill Johnson shared this one time. He said, he said it, was a, it was a prophetic word that he took a lot, it was like, like probably like 30 years ago, I don't know, that he took and, was, and it, it really impacted his life. But it was, it was the Lord saying, if you long for me as I long for you, you'll be satisfied. If you long for me as much as I long for you, you will be satisfied. I want you to read this. In Luke 15, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and yet I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father. This is reconciliation. He came to the father. All the, the prophets of Israel in the Old Testament, their, their number one message was return to the Lord. Come back to God. Repent of that which has caused you to put a wall between yourself and God and come back to him. God did not put a wall between you and him. You did. So repent of that which you did to break your relationship with him and come back to God. Return to your father in heaven. So he came to his father but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. So he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The kisses of God. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for his love is better than wine. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice when he had planned this statement he was going to make to his father, he continued it with, make me like one of your hired servants. But it would appear that the father cut him off as soon as he said, I'm not worthy to be your son. The father, it says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, 
And bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. This is like crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, we can go home. No, I'm just kidding. I, I love what Reinhard Bunke said. He said, Adam was okay living without God, but God was not okay living without Adam. God was not okay living without Adam. God so loved the world that he sent his son. He is not okay living without you. He desires you. He delights in you. I'm going to start singing. I'm just going to read some scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, He made you alive. Think about that. When you were dead in your sin, He came and made you alive. Verse 11, therefore, remember that you who once were Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Notice, at that time you were without Christ. You were without a Savior. You were doomed to deal with your sin yourself. You were aliens or outsiders from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, having no hope and without God in the world. How many people... How many cities do we see living like this right now in America? They're without God. But. Because every one of us lived like them. Every one of us lived just like the people in the world that are going crazy right now. But now. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, who has made both one, having broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that, that, is, that word enmity means that, that which uh, excites hatred. That which causes us to be, to, to be at war with one another. He abolished the war between us. Hostility, yeah. He himself is our peace. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we'll start in verse 14. 
The Word of God's alive and sharp and active. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Everyone say, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. If you don't know about that story, it's in Numbers chapter 21. And Israel complains against God. They sin. And then it says that, that fiery serpents came out from among the wilderness and began to um, bite the Israelites. And they began to just die by the thousands. They, these fiery serpents came out because of their sin. And they began to die. They began to be bitten by these snakes. So the Lord tells Moses. Moses goes in to pray for the people. And he's like, you know, how can we atone for the people's sin? How can we cover for their sin and, and, and this wrath be taken from them? And the Lord says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a, a, and make a bronze replica of the serpent that's killing all the Israelites. And I want you to hang it on a pole and everyone who looks at it will live. Everyone who looks at this serpent will live. So the Israelites knew that whatever is hung on a tree is cursed by God. So when they would see that this snake that was killing them had been hung on a tree, they knew that this had now been cursed by God, and, the, and, and faith would spring in their hearts, and they would live. Does that make sense? So it says, Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I love, I love, I love, I love. Oh, man, it's so cool. A.W. Tozer brought out one of the best revelations in this for me personally. How many of you know Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, looking, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus who himself is the author and finisher of our faith. When, when they were in the wilderness, they had to look upon the serpent. Jesus correlates it to believing on the Son. Believing is looking. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, um, faith is the gaze of the soul upon God. Faith is the gaze of the soul upon God. Amen? Okay, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in is condemned already because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. It says, this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Okay, I want to connect this back to Adam. What happened when Adam sinned? He began to hide. He went away from the light and did not come to the light. When the light came, Adam, where are you? He hid. He didn't come to the light because his deeds were evil. I want to read 1 John chapter 4 real quick. He says, there, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. 
But he who fears, another, um, another word that that's translated is fear involves punishment. But he who fears has not been made, perf- been made perfect in love. To understand that simply, it's, it's he who has not received the perfect love of God. He was not allowed the perfect love of God to have its way in him. He still lives in fear. But perfect love casts out fear. So Adam was in a state of shame and fear. What did he say? He said, I was afraid, so I hid. That's shame. And it's being motivated by fear. He's hiding from the light. This is what I want to bring back and say it again. Just one more time. The Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. This should motivate us to recognize I don't have to yield to fear. I don't have to continue in shame. I can be reconciled to the Father. And he will not punish me according to my sins, but have mercy on me because of his Son. Remember that thing I said about if you want to sit at his feet with sweetness, you must let him wash your feet with meekness, his meekness. Why? Because Jesus humbled himself. He became meek on our behalf and went to the cross, freely obeying even unto death to take away your sins. And what did he tell Peter when he washed the disciples' feet? If you do not allow me to wash you, You have no part in me. You can take no part of me if you do not allow me to wash you. Allow me to cleanse you. Allow me to take away your sins. You can either continue to wear fig leaves and think that you can fix this thing on your own and that you can atone for your own sin. As as Isaiah 61 says, that our own righteousness is like filthy rags. Or... You can submit yourself to the righteousness of God and be reconciled to him. Let me read this. Romans chapter 9 and then I'll close. Romans chapter 9 verse 30. This is talking about Romans 9, 10, 11. It talks about Israel and election and a bunch of big, big stuff. But... um, Just break this down. Israel would not allow Christ to be their Savior, right? They rejected him. They hardened their hearts. And then it says here also that they were then hardened thus because of it. It says, what shall we say that the Gentiles or the outsiders, those who were without the covenant of Israel, those who were without the promises of God, the Gentiles. If you don't know that, when the scripture talks about Jews and Gentiles, Jews are are those who were of the old covenant, Israel. They're the flesh descendants of Abraham. And now Paul is making the case that actually there's a spiritual descent of Abraham. And it's not those who obey the law. It's those who believe upon the Son. And so he says, What shall we say that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame." This word put to shame in the Hebrew means to act hastily. Whoever trusts in Jesus will not act with haste. Another way it's translated is be disappointed. Whoever believes upon him will not be disappointed. They will not be let down. That's why he says in Romans 5 that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness 
and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It's the same picture of Adam and Eve choosing to, by their own works, atone for their nakedness. They were not submitting to God's righteousness. And here's the thing. The first step in repentance or in reconciliation is responsibility. We have to take responsibility for our own lives and for our own actions. That's what Adam failed to do. It's the difference between someone who's a powerful person and someone who's a powerless person. Powerless people live with a victim mentality. They did this because you did this, and it's not my fault. If you didn't give me the woman, I wouldn't eat in the tree. Adam took no responsibility for his sin. But if we choose to first, number one, recognize, no, I did sin. It was my fault. I did disobey you. And I want to ask for forgiveness and be reconciled. I can now begin to take responsibility for my life and entrust it to someone who can take care of it. I love what God did because he, he tells them the consequences. This is what's going to happen now. They're cast out of the garden. But it says this, that God clothed them with the, the skins of an animal. And most, most scholars agree that it was because Jesus is the lamb that God would sacrifice to atone and cover and clothe us in his son and in his righteousness. That he would take away our unrighteousness and give us his so that we can have right relationship with him and be reconciled to the Father. So this is what I want to end with. I want to invite you to come into the light. If you've had a, a guilty conscience or you've been living with, a, with condemnation in your life, I want to invite you to come forward. I'll ask the ministry team to come forward to receive prayer. I want to invite you to come clean with God and allow Jesus to wash you. Allow him to forgive you. Allow him to take what he already paid for. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your great love. And, Lord, as Paul prayed... In Ephesians chapter 3, I want to pray this over everyone as well. Where is it? Lord, I pray that you would grant, according to the riches of your glory, that we would be strengthened with power through your spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, I pray that there would be a spirit of revelation that would flood our hearts, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know you, to know the love of the Father, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I invite you and welcome you to begin to pour out the love of the Father in people's hearts. I invite you and welcome you to begin to pour out the love of God in hearts, Lord that hearts would be awakened, that light would dawn, that darkness would flee, and that we would be reconciled to you. Come, Holy Spirit. I thank you for the love of the Father that will never stop pursuing us, that will never stop chasing us down. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for reconciling us to you. I thank you for coming to find us in our death and brokenness. I thank you for coming to save us, that you came not to condemn but to save. Jesus, come and awaken hearts, heal hearts, reconcile hearts to you, Lord. 
I ask this in Jesus' name. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ that we may know the love of God and that we may love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please come forward for prayer and uh, have a wonderful week. Amen. Jared has a quick word. Amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for Bradford? That was amazing. The Lord put on my heart this quick exhortation for you guys. Um, Things have been a little bit wild, right? With the government, mandates, all these things that are going on. But the Lord wanted me to remind you of something. So with the state government, you have a state government, but the state government has to submit to a higher government. So the state's government submits to the federal government. But I have to tell you, I have to remind you that every government on this earth has to submit to the highest government, the government of our God. Amen. The Lord told me to to give you this. Beware. Beware of bitterness trying to take a hold of us as Christians in this season. He said, beware of bitterness. Many people's lives, both Christian and are not, are going to be shaken. But don't let the shaking break you because that's what's going to make you. So the shaking, in the shaking, God sometimes is relocating to us to something better. Sometimes he's delivering us from something. Sometimes he's, he's exposing things through the shaking that need to be changed. The shaking is what's going to make us. But be careful in that shaking not to be bitter at God. Everything, the Bible says that everything must bow their knee to Jesus. And Jesus lives in you. So when sickness or disease comes before you, it must bow to the Christ in you. I want to remember, I want you to remember this. Sickness and disease, plagues, the kingdom of darkness must bow to the Jesus that's inside of you. Amen. Can, I make, can you make some noise for that? I want to remind you. We have to believe the word of God. The children of Israel were in Egypt and there was plagues. Moses, our God sent a deliverer, Moses, and the plagues were the judgment of God shaking up that sinful city. But they were covered by, as pastor said, the blood of Jesus. And so the spirit of death passed over. But also when the plague came to take their sheep and their animals and their cows and their food and their source of income, it didn't touch the Israelites. So I decree and prophesy to you that, that your, your income cannot be touched by the devil, that your food cannot be touched, your housing cannot be touched. And if, and if, you're, if, if you're moving from one house, it just means because you're moving to a better house, because the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. Amen. And I remember in the scriptures that every other Christian, there is a bunch of believers that were in Babylon, and they were supposed to bow to an idol. Now, all of the children of Israel were there, but there were only three men that, stood, that didn't bow. Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, if I said it right. So we have to remember, the children of Israel were all there, but they were all bowing. So just because there's other communities and people and Christians bowing, we're going to be a people, we're going to be a church that says we are not bowing to anything but Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you in this season that you are the blessed of the Lord and the enemy cannot touch you. He cannot touch your stuff. What the enemy means for bad, God's going to turn around for good. Amen. And I just want to lead us all in this prayer to just pray this with me. Say, I claim divine immunity from all sickness, disease, plagues, and COVID. And I claim exemption from governmental decrees that compromise my heavenly citizen rights. You got a mandate on on your life from God that's bigger than any governmental mandate can put upon you. Amen. So I need you to make some noise for Jesus. Come on.
Amen. We, we want you to come forward to prayer. We really want to set a culture of this house of prayer. Um, we, we'll speak a word of God over you. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you need counsel. It's not always just if, you know, you need healing in your body. Come up. Let us pray. We'll give you a word of encouragement if there's anything family. But we want to invite you guys. We want to dismiss you and let you have an amazing week. But please come up for prayer. Amen.